This week we discuss augmented reality, what Mexicans actually call cannabis, and why the Mexican Supreme Court thinks you should be allowed to consume it. Coming up next on Critical Grass. Get it, man, and get with the countdown. Shake this square world and blast off for Kicksville. Critical Grass. It's stimulating, mind-expanding, safer to use than alcohol. It's the in thing, the hula hoop of the jet generation, and as much a part of growing up as smoking corn silk behind the back fence. Critical Grass. He's looked at both the pros and cons of blowing pot. He's not convinced that grass is all that harmful, but there is room for a lot of doubt. Why don't we wait and see? There's a lot of testing to be done before we'll know all the facts. Critical Grass. Julio Senile. I'm from Mexico City. I am a cannabis activist for 20 years and I work for Cañamo Magazine, Expo with Mexico, and Encuentro Canadico and the Museum of Cañamo and Marijuana of Mexico. They say there's a place down in Mexico where a man can fly over mountains and hills. Where a man can fly over mountains and hills. Where a man can fly over mountains and hills. That chill little jam you just heard was a track aptly titled Mexico by an artist called Black Russian. Yes, we continue our Latin American theme on the Critical Grass podcast, this time with Julio Senil, who, apart from being an activist and running Cañamo magazine and organizing various cannabis-related expos and conventions in Mexico, is also a filmmaker. I was fortunate enough to run into Julio at Spanibus in Barcelona earlier this year, where we agreed to have a Skype interview soon after. I wanted to continue with Latin American-based guests, uh, especially Mexico, as the country has been undergoing a significant amount of change the past couple of years with respect to all things cannabis, but with respect to drug policy itself. Many of you have certainly heard about Mexico and issues it's been facing concerning drugs, cartels, crime, and so on. Pop culture is full of these references, just think of Breaking Bad, Narcos, and other TV series and films, as is the news. However, you don't often hear directly from people on the ground about the actual situation. For a long time, Mexico has been associated as the entry point for illegal drugs coming into the United States, and Mexican immigrants have been the target of anti-cannabis law enforcement since the very start of Prohibition. However, unless you visit the country yourself, or follow local journalism, you won't hear much about what's going on with cannabis in the country. This is precisely the gap that I was hoping Julio would fill in for me with his local experience and wisdom. Firstly, I wanted to know how he became involved in his canna projects. Yeah, let's say that we started working about uh, almost 20 years ago. I started to import hemp products to Mexico, and I am a filmmaker. so. 
there there was a lot of ignorance in Mexico about cannabis, and as I was selling these hemp products uh, and I was giving some interviews to some newspapers, uh, it became a scandal for a week maybe to when uh, the TV stations started to talk about industrial hemp. So I was working uh, uh, on this on this thing, uh, bringing hemp products. Uh, to people's mind in Mexico, and it became a, a, a scandal at some point. Uh, so I decided to to make a documentary, and uh, in Europe to show people in Mexico how are things seen in in some other countries. So uh, in the year 2000, I traveled to to uh, seven different countries in Europe to shoot a documentary called Mundo Canabico. So I interviewed the people from Kanyama Magazine, from uh, Michka from Mama Editions, uh, Dr. Jeffrey Guy from GW Pharmaceuticals, and the people from the body shop that are making hemp cosmetics for many years. Um, so I tried to, to get the most people possible, um, as interested as possible. Um, so I, it, took for, it took for me a while to put everything together because everything was uh, a production of my own. So I didn't have any money from anybody but myself. So it took uh, a few years to put it together. But at the end, it helped, it helped a lot to, to educate people in Mexico. So I am very glad to, to did it, that I did it because it was a very good uh, tool of education. So I was, as, I, as I was making the documentary, I was meeting people from the magazine and we were making friends with with a lot of other people around Europe, and that allowed me to to have a many things to share with 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 the people here in in Mexico. So we, from some examples that I saw in Spain, we started an association in Mexico that is called the Mexican Association for Cannabis Studies, that maybe is the oldest uh, association about cannabis in Mexico. Uh, that has been working for for 18 years, and then we developed some projects like the cannabis libraries. So there 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 were not so much literature about cannabis in Mexico. So we made some efforts to bring Cannabis Magazine um, to make it available. If not, maybe not to sell because it was hard, but so people can read it in a, in a nice environment. Uh, so. And also we started to make the Marijuana March uh, 19 years ago. And we are now preparing for the for the next one that is on May 4th. And we are, gonna, we are going to be for the first time in the main square of Mexico City. That is the heart of the country. And so it's it will be a big event for sure. Julio took it upon himself to start his little empire and began with a bit of cannabis education in the form of his documentary, Mundo Cannabico, or World of Cannabis. Interestingly enough, based on what people hear about Mexico outside of Mexico, you would think that most Mexicans have a good understanding of cannabis in the country. But Julio saw the widespread ignorance and lack of information on the topic and decided to fight it head-on. Prohibition and the ensuing propaganda wasn't just limited to the U.S., by the way. Its presence can be felt around the world to this day, of course, but 
Being so close to the bringer of prohibition, Mexico was also subjected to it, and ignorance became the standard. Well, Julio's approach was to show how hemp products are found in everyday life and that there's no need to be afraid of this incredibly useful and versatile plant. So education came first, followed by demonstrations and marches, and now you have conventions and expos, museums, and various national events. Not bad for such a small number of people in under 20 years' time. However, as is usually the case for activists, it wasn't as easy as it sounds. I asked Julio about any government pushback he might have encountered. So as, as I was working and as, as, uh, with my film career and everything, I always made some uh, activist effort uh, yeah, together with, with my normal work. And since four years ago, we started to publish Ma- Cañamo magazine in Mexico. Um, we are part of the editorial team. And we, yeah, we take uh, many responsibilities on, on that issue. We were uh, censored by the government, so we, we were we were fighting with with lawyers and stuff because they didn't want that uh, publication like this was on the streets in in a very uh, I don't know archaic uh, attitude. So we now we we won. And we we kept uh, publishing. If you see the magazine with our application, we developed an application that is called Revista Cañamo. If you see the cover of the magazine with the app, it comes to life. So we're doing that kind of stuff, uh, like bringing um, technology to the paper uh, materials with with the ones we've been working for so many years. And we, we want to make a nice transition to the toward, to the digital world. Right. So so we're doing that kind of stuff in Mexico. And also, as I told you, uh, we are producing the, the events that, uh, that I mentioned when I was there. Like this mm-hmm. is Expo Week that we're having in August. And now we are getting ready for Encuentro Canabico that it's... Uh, another expo here in Mexico City. And yes, we are uh, like uh, measuring the temperature for the cannabis world in Mexico. So that's why we are doing so many events because we we need that. We know that there is so much need of information for the people around here. So we're bringing conferences, we're bringing uh, different kinds of persons to, to share their knowledge and to spread the good word about the cannabis. So another effort that we're doing is that we have a tiny cannabis museum where we show to the people food, textiles, uh, building materials, cosmetics, medicaments, uh, and people can go there and touch the stuff and and see that it's true. Unsurprisingly, the authorities in Mexico didn't like seeing pro-cannabis information being spread for whatever reason or reasons. But Julio and his crew kept publishing and fighting until they won. But they didn't rest on their laurels there. They're continuing to disseminate information on cannabis, but in very 21st century fashion. As Julio mentions, they've integrated their print magazine with an app that allows you to view the magazine, as well as other objects, in augmented reality. 
In case you were wondering what that is or what it's like, just go to your favorite app store to download the Revista Canemo app. There you will find a description of the app and a download link. There you will also find examples of the app in use in all of its augmented glory. Very trippy, very cool, very recommended. I have to give a lot of credit to Julio here for integrating his magazine with modern technology, as I personally haven't seen this level of innovation with respect to periodicals and journalism in the cannabis world. Hopefully this will take off soon, and we'll be seeing much more in augmented reality than just images in magazines and on t-shirts. While speaking with Julio, I got the impression that Mexico doesn't have a uniform understanding or approach to cannabis, much like the United States. You, of course, have your more socially liberal places, such as the West Coast, with very pro-cannabis laws and attitudes, but you also have very conservative places with a very poor understanding of cannabis. I asked Julio about why there is such a discrepancy in terms of cannabis culture in Mexico. Yeah, it depends on the place where you are. It has been part of the culture, but in in many way, in many places, it's still very satanized, uh, demonized, uh. you know. And uh, for sure, there are places like uh, where where cannabis is growing, where is absolutely part of the of the cause of the yeah of the traditions. Let's say of the of the of that places of those places, uh, but that that's something that is not extended to every corner of the country. Mm-hmm. There are some places that are very conservative, and especially because they are not educated about the all the positive sides of the plant. And the media has made a very good job uh, misinforming people about cannabis. So now we have to fight against all the, that disinformation that were spread around, and we have to, to tell the facts. So the awareness of cannabis, its products, its uses, and benefits has been spreading all around the globe in recent years, and Mexico, being a neighbor to the U.S., has also taken notice and has started to change some of its laws. So what is the situation of adult use and medical cannabis in the country now that some U.S. states have gone fully legal? Criminalization for uh, amounts under five grams. If you have five, five. If you have with yourself under five grams, you don't go to jail, or you're not considered a dealer. If you have more than five grams, depends on the situation, you could be considered a dealer, which is very dangerous because almost nobody goes to buy five grams each time. You know. For medical purposes, you, you can go to the to a doctor and get a recommendation. And with that recommendation, you can go to the like the Mexican FDA to ask for a permit to import that product. So they, I, I don't know how long it takes, maybe one month or something. They give you this permission to, to import this product. But you have to ask every time that want to import the product. So small amounts for personal use, under 5 grams, is not considered a crime. Though anything above that will put you in the dealer category, for which there are very stiff penalties. Julio also points out that hardly anyone buys only 5 grams. 
So if you yourself are a patient of a chronic or otherwise serious illness, you might know that in some cases, your monthly supply would be not in grams, but in ounces. Just as a reminder, there are 28 grams in one ounce. So if you're a legitimate medical cannabis patient, the process involves going to the Mexican equivalent of the Federal Drug Administration to request a permit to import your medical product every single time. None of this one-and-done stuff. However, these medical cannabis products are limited to CBD oil. THC is only allowed if the product contains less than 1%. Now this is where things start to get interesting. THC is allowed, but for recreational or adult use, which is still kind of in a gray area. Allow me to explain. In October of 2018, the Mexican Supreme Court issued two rulings effectively getting rid of the ban on recreational use, which means that technically, prohibition is over. However, nothing has been put in its place. The court affirmed the right to use cannabis recreationally, though this is not the same as legalizing the plant but it makes the laws on cannabis use unenforceable. So if you were to be tried for recreational use, it is within your right to demand the charges be thrown out based on the court's rulings, which effectively now permit personal cultivation, possession, consumption, and the sharing of cannabis by adults. Julio explains why they made this decision. So now now there is a jurisdiction that uh, after five sentences in, in the same direction, uh, there is uh, there is a jurisprudence, I think that's the word. So the, the Supreme Court said that it is unconstitutional to forbid cannabis because it doesn't allow to develop the, the personality of the individual, that it's a human right. So everything was made some, with some sort of strategic... Uh, Low, low moves for some lawyers that I think that they don't smoke weed, but they made this to change the law. So they were successful. So And this is also made to reduce the violence around cannabis, to put, to put cannabis in another, in another bag, in a different bag than the, than the hard drugs. They, they started uh, telling something about full legalization, but now they are, I, I don't know, I have uh, different thoughts about this new government, uh, because they are not asking as fast as they should, but I think that they want to check everything out before taking the big decision. So there you have it. The Mexican Supreme Court thinks adult-use cannabis is a human right, and that by banning it, you are infringing on the development of the personality of the individual. Hallelujah, faith in humanity restored. In 2017, then-President Enrique Peña Nieto issued a decree confirming legalization of cannabis for medicinal use and even introduced a measure allowing citizens to possess up to an ounce of cannabis without being penalized by the state, though that measure stalled in Congress. In the summer of 2018, Andrés Manuel López Obrador, or AMLO for short, was elected president in a landslide victory while running on a platform of ending the war on drugs and the legalization of some drugs, like cannabis, among several other significant issues. 
The AMLO administration released a five-year national development plan starting this year, which intends to end prohibition and decriminalize all currently illegal drugs. Also a part of this progressive plan is to replace arrest with medical supervision and detox treatment. So in a very positive development, Mexico is making the transition from being on the front line of the war on drugs to having a public health-oriented policy that aims to reduce harm and curb violence. So at the moment, things are looking up, but it is now up to AMLO to work with Congress to deal with the ensuing legalization and regulation of cannabis use. If this is implemented correctly, then this would deal a massive blow to the current paradigm of law enforcement and the war on drugs, which has done untold damage to Mexico and its people. So where do we go from here? If legal cannabis will be arriving very soon to Mexico, what can we expect to see? The social clubs like in Spain or Uruguay, I think that that would work the best. Yeah, that that can be effective, but at a different stage, of the things, I think that first we have to empower people that that should that they shouldn't depend on anybody to create to have their own medicine or their, their own plants, even if they are not using it as a medicine. I think that that's important because then if we have only uh, like the Walmart of cannabis and you have to buy there from the big producers that doesn't put any piece of heart on the growing and stuff like that, so. I I don't think that that's that's good. I mean, it's good to have the possibility to have to buy fancy stuff, you know. But but the the best thing is to grow it your own and to have a good relationship with the plant. Actually, there are, there are some permits already given to people to grow at home. There is this possibility if you want to smoke cannabis, you have to go to this. A Mexican FDA to ask for a permit to grow your own cannabis. So then, then, then they they usually deny this permit, and with this denial, you go to a, a lawyer, and the lawyer uh, make a paperwork that is called amparo. I don't know the word in English, and this is like a protection for you in case police come to to catch you and your plants. But that, as I as I told you in the beginning of the conversation, in the in these in these days, this uh, jurisprudence passed. So so uh, now supposedly everybody should be allowed to grow cannabis in the in their in their own homes without going to jail because that happens already to five people. So that they have to change to. They have to change the law for everybody in the country. And they have 90 days. And I think that now they have about 60 days to publish this document that, this, that will be determinant in our future. Some very good reasons to remain hopeful going forward, and not just in Mexico. Cannabis is undergoing a lot of change in North America, and having Mexico on the right side of the argument will only hasten the return to a normal and sane drug policy. Any other words of wisdom or advice? To the young activists to get informed and, and to represent uh, the plant in a good way, you know, because if you talk about cannabis, you you should have a some sort of code of honor, you know, if you are talking for cannabis. I mean, it, it's not cool if you are talking good about cannabis and do cocaine and do some harder drugs and stuff like that. 
is is that that takes power away from your message as an activist, I guess. Of course, people is free to do whatever they want, but if you talk about something, you have to be congruent with what you do and what you say. So be educated and informed, and remember to set a good example. People are watching. There was one last thing I wanted to ask Julio about. Perhaps this has been on a lot of your minds as well. What do Mexicans actually call weed? Uh, it depends. If it's like a, like the old school social thing, is like marijuana or mota. We call, you know, mota is like pot. Mm-hmm. And those are like the, like the popular names for the weed in the streets. But if we, if you want to to be serious and you want to talk about medical uses or industrial uses, uh, we prefer to use cannabis. Marijuana and mota on the streets, cannabis everywhere else. And that's the way it should be. Prior to 1910, marijuana was nowhere to be found in the American lexicon, though cannabis was widely available in various pharmacies as a tincture, and was even part of the U.S. pharmacopoeia from 1851 until 1942. That's right, folks. Marijuana is a term from prohibition, and the sooner we disassociate ourselves from that, the sooner we can return to normalcy with respect to cannabis. So where can people find Julio if they want to contact him? They can find us in our uh, social media. We have uh, a website called canamo.mx for the magazine, expoguidmexico.com for the trade show, encuentrocanabico.com also for for the trade show um, for the small one. So we have Instagram for the Museum of Cañamo and Marihuana, Cañamo Shop, Expo Weed as well. And last but not least, time to say goodbye to our esteemed guest. Julio Senil, thank you for speaking with me today. It was an honor. It was a pleasure. Uh, good luck on uh, all your projects, including the uh, trade shows and expositions. Hopefully see you soon again. Yeah, hopefully, man. And whenever you come to Mexico, let me know. That was episode 24. Once again, huge thanks to Julio Senil for his insight and wisdom. Fingers crossed things continue to develop for Mexico in the most positive way. It's a relief to know people such as Julio are steering things in the right direction. My name, as always, is Bogdan. I will be back again very soon. In the meantime, you can financially support the podcast through our Patreon or find us on our social media platforms and spread the gospel. Hasta la próxima vez, amigos. Órale!